constant evolution within a technology team of, hey, I'm, I may have been good yesterday, but that doesn't mean I'm good today because there's a lot more knowledge that was produced that I don't know. And so this constant mindset of improvement is something I'm really proud of. Welcome to the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast, where IT and digital leaders from around the world talk about their careers, their inspiration, and their vision for the future of digital business. I'm your host, David Wright. The world of digital business is evolving faster than ever, and I want this to be a place where digital business champions create a village to band together and help each other navigate the ever-changing terrain. Disruptive Innovators features conversations with CIOs and digital leaders from around the world, diving into their personal backstory, career, their current role, trends they've been seeing, and their vision for the future, personally, professionally, and otherwise. This podcast is made for people who are seeing how quickly the digital business landscape is evolving. Those who recognize that it takes a village of trusted advisors to navigate this ever-changing terrain. People who enjoy listening to high-level discussions surrounding what it means to be a leader, real-world examples of challenges faced, and industry-specific strategies leveraged to create exceptional business outcomes. This episode is brought to you by Disruptive Innovations, a leading tech consulting firm that helps enterprise organizations with their IT strategy, process optimization, and workflow improvement. Contact them and find out more at disruptiveinnovations.net. Good morning, friends. David Wright here, and I am your host of the Disruptive Innovators podcast, coming to you live from our brand new studio in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And I am lucky enough to host this first episode in our new studio with Keith Perry. Keith, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's nice to be here, David. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Keith, tell our listeners about your current role. Where are you serving currently? Currently, I'm blessed to be the the Senior VP and Chief Information Officer at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. We're based out of Memphis, Tennessee. Very cool. So, Keith, looking forward to learning a little bit more about St. Jude and, and the work that you guys are up to. But before that, maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about, about how you started out and your career and, and ultimately became the, the CIO of St. Jude's. Well, it's not something that I started out with the plan to be where I'm sitting where I am today. My undergrad degree is in computer science. And so I've always had a passion for technology. And growing up, when I did in the Houston area, my dad was a computer person. So really just second generation IT person. So I got out of school with my undergrad degree, and I really had a job in oil and gas and loved every minute of that experience. And I can talk about some of that. But at the time, I went back to school at night and got my master's, my MBA. And then that kind of piqued my interest to you know, look at life outside of oil and gas. Oil and gas is a fantastic industry, but I started thinking about what, when I look back on my life, what do I want to be, what do I want to be proud of? And so what do I want my future self to say, yeah, I'm proud of where we've been? And so... I tell people that healthcare kind of found me. My wife and I decided to leave the Houston area and we kind of, you know, looked at a map and decided Nashville was where we wanted to go. And so 
Luckily, I found an opportunity to work with Columbia HCA back in the 90s, and that was a fantastic experience and introduction to healthcare for me. And so worked there for a period of time, and we got the calling to, both of our kids were born in Nashville. We, we felt the calling and the urge to be closer to family to help raise them, and we made the decision to move back to Houston. And that's where I really got into specialty care. So I spent some time with a company called U.S. Oncology, and then that transitioned over to MD Anderson, where I spent the majority of my time before becoming the CIO here at St. Jude, and I've been here about seven and a half years. Very cool. Keith, one question we like to ask in, in the beginning of our episodes is, what's one actionable piece of advice you might offer to our listeners today based on, on your experience? Yeah, I tell young people this all the time is you know, don't be afraid to push yourself outside your comfort zone. So we all get out of college or we you know, we start a career and then we become comfortable in that career. And, and that's that's fine for some people. But for those people that have a desire to push and challenge themselves is sometimes that requires change. And, you know, when I look backwards on my career, I would not be here if I didn't have mentors pushing me and sometimes dragging me to opportunities that I couldn't see myself, but they could. That really sharpened my experience in one particular part of IT or the other, or gave me experience with operations or gave me experience in strategic planning. And all of that over time kind of rounds us out. So I would I tell people, don't be afraid to challenge yourself, say yes to opportunities and to push yourself outside your comfort zone. Love that. So you explained, so you, you worked in a specialty practice with U.S. Oncology, you went on to MD Anderson, and now you're at St. Jude. What are some of the most important things that you learned along the way? And what was life like before learning them and, and after learning them? I think looking, again, with the benefit of time and looking backwards, understanding the why, why do we get up? every day and go to an office and do work. And so that why is different for every person, right? And so I had to find that while I resonated with healthcare because I liked helping, I like to know that I'm a technologist, but I can still find a way to help provide care to somebody. And so that was a why I hung on to for a while in my career journey with, within healthcare as compared to oil and gas, where, where I was struggling with finding my why. And again, other people have. But then that changed over time. So working at Columbia HCA, which is a massive, fantastic organization, providing care to hundreds of thousands of people, to a specialty U.S. oncology, which is cancer-related care, to then MD Anderson, which is how do I think about the problem differently in addition to providing care to St. Jude, to eradicating pediatric diseases. And, you know, so my why has evolved over time. And that's a lesson that I've kind of learned is don't be, don't be afraid to give that up and cling on to something new. And so what I, I also kind of share that my why now is, you know, I, most people grow up with, with grandparents and I was blessed to grow up with my grandparents Unfortunately, I lost my grandmother when I was nine, and I never met my other grandmother. So 
I had nine years to spend with my grandmother, uh, one of my grandmothers, and never met my other one. And both of them passed away of cancer. And so that became my why of why do I get up and go to MD Anderson is I hate that disease because it took, it robbed me of time with my grandmothers. And Mm -hmm. that changed and evolved too is now I lost my mother recently. And then three weeks later, I lost my sister again, both of cancer. So now I hate cancer even more than I did. And now that's my why is why do I hate catastrophic diseases is because they rob people of time. And so if I can do anything as a technologist to help make one minute of difference in somebody's life, that's why I'm here. I love that. That having that why I agree is so, so important. I like to think too, as you're, you're talking that I kind of have my, my personal why, right. Which is building a life for my daughter, my daughter, who's on, on the way here in the, in the next couple of weeks, my wife, and really everything that I do at work is simply so I can spend more time with them. But having that professional why now, now that I think about it, I mean, it's so, it just makes, I think the work that, that I do so much more fulfilling because, and I identify with what you're saying is one of the reasons that we're so active is in healthcare is because if we can play just a, a small role in impacting the overall health of the, the communities that we serve, I've seen that with my mom's nonprofit in New Jersey. They serve these, these women and these children. And you know, she was the one who taught me it starts with one person, right? If you can impact the life of one person, you know, it creates a ripple effect for generations to come. And that it can be tremendously significant. And I know St. Jude is doing that on a massive scale and just being at the facilities a couple months back was just, I was taken aback because you could just feel the significance of the work that you guys are doing. It's really palpable there. I can't get from my car to my office without knowing why I'm there. Yeah, that's really cool. So what's a, a moment in time over over your your extensive career that that you failed at something but you took away a significant learning or or lesson from that that exercise either on a project personally professionally or or otherwise if you talk to any leader they're going to talk about they learn more from their failures than their success and i am no no exception to that rule there's been way too many projects that either I thought we needed to do that never got off the ground or that that were off the ground, but then they failed at some point in that implementation or optimization effort. And, and so without jumping into a lot of the details, what I've found through that soul searching is when you're, two things come to mind, is you got to have thick skin because I would wake up in the middle of the night and just stare at this and say, how am I going to get through this? And how am I going to deal with that both professionally and personally? And, you know, the stress that that induces and the toll that that takes on, on an individual. And then that's projected onto family. And so, so I had to, had to really think about how do I deal with that as an introvert, that's somebody that's, you know, that's, I internalize a lot of that and I've had to really realize that, you know, I I need to find an outlet 
you know, whether that be jumping on a bike and just, hey, just go for a three-hour bike ride and just spend some time, you know, sitting on that problem or that project that's not doing well. The other is, and this is where I, you know, as we think about technology, you know, we we got into technology for a reason because we like the change that it brings that affords us. And we see that we see that all around us, but sometimes we fail to see that even within our own projects. And so I've had things that have failed or things that I've put in that then were successful for a period of time, but then fail. And what I've had to realize through some of those is, you know, that's okay. There's newer technology out there that we should be embracing. There's different, a different way of thinking about that problem that you started with that is causing you or the institution that you're serving to think differently about the solution. So a couple of different thoughts on how I've kind of worked through several failed efforts in my part in my past. So I love what you say about needing to have an outlet because we all, like you said, we all deal with difficult projects and, or I've failed and taken, like you said, the most out of those instances versus times when we've succeeded. I've also found that in my experience, acceptance, right, is the answer to all my problems today. All I can do is give 100% to do everything in my power to help a project succeed or help an employee succeed. And then I have to let go because at the end of the day, I can't control everything, right? Just something that your response brought up in me. So no, that's, that's great. I think the other thing is, you know, I also work and serve a mission that is, you know, academic is very accustomed to failure. So, so they, they find value in failure because that helps deepen a knowledge base that then helps build towards success. Right. So not losing sight of that is extremely important as failure is just an opportunity to, to build knowledge for the future. A hundred percent. And you know, what's, what's coming up now is I'm actually having this conversation a lot in healthcare because in different industries, innovation requires failure. It's pretty much a prerequisite, right? You come up with a hypothesis, like you're saying, in in almost in an academic setting, you test the hypothesis, you garner feedback, incorporate feedback, and then move forward. And that's true with technology too. And in a lot of instances, we've seen healthcare, let's say pre-COVID, everything was a bit static, right? And, and, And that's a bit of a rash generalization, but for a lot of organizations, it was you know, let's keep the lights on, let's keep things, you know, slowly moving forward. And then COVID comes in and really presses the issue of the consumerism of healthcare and access to data and all, all these government mandates and so on. And then it's like, okay, we need to innovate, but culturally it requires almost an acceptance and embracing of failure. And obviously with the technology stack at a, at a health system, you know, lives are at stake, right? So it needs to be in a, in a controlled manner, but all the same, particularly with employees of an IT or digital team, they need to know that they're not on the chopping block if they make a mistake, right? Especially in, in kind of a, an innovation lab or a team that's responsible for kind of driving that vision forward. 
So I want to talk a little bit more about St. Jude, Keith. But So before we get into that, I just like to ask our guests, favorite book, either all time or that you're reading now, please let us know. I've got a few, but I always, so I'll throw out two of them. I love the checklist manifesto and I buy it and I give it to, to my leadership team, primarily because it's a fascinating, not only history and how checklists were kind of thought of, especially in the World War II and, and airplanes, and but really how do we apply that within IT? And how do we think about taking a very specialized role and turning that into a checklist for change? And so there's a lot of value in, in that book. I've read it a couple of times. The other is The Emperor of All Maladies. And, and that's a kind of a history on our march to finding knowledge around cancer and the cellular structure and how its cells are produced. And it's just a fantastic history. And so I've kind of, you know, given the industry I'm in, I've really kind of gravitated to that book. And there's a couple of there that are that are really impactful. Love that. See, I, I build my book list this way. I've, I've never read the checklist manifesto. So I, I got to pick that, both an, of those up. It's an easy read. I can send you a copy. Fantastic. You know, and it's funny because we use ClickUp. And anyway, we're, we're big fans of checklists. So Keith, like I said, I got to visit St. Jude. I just, the mission, you know, takes me aback. Tell me a little bit more about the vision and mission for St. Jude as an organization and then how that translates into your vision and mission for IT and and digital? Let me start with our mission at St. Jude is to eradicate catastrophic pediatric diseases. And so that sounds pretty bold in its statement, but it's something we come back to literally all the time because we are not going to, we are relentlessly pursuing that. We're not going to be deviated from that overarching mission. And so we go through a strategic planning process every five years. And so we come up with, you know, leadership really spends at least a year kind of walking and talking around where should we be going. We encapsulate in that into a strategic plan. We have what we've learned through that over the last 10 plus years is we need a, a mechanism to introduce new things. And so we have a blue sky process where we go through and say, okay, what are we missing? What do we not get during the initial plan? And IT kind of comes alongside in that planning process and we break it down into, okay, where does IT fit? And so what IT role in this and advancing, you know, our St. Jude Global program, advancing our understanding of cellular structure and the impact that that's going to have on computational capacity and storage capacity and the, where we're going to compute and store all of that information to clinical practice and what diseases are we going to be targeting. And so all of that gets encapsulated into an IT roadmap for us that we update every year. Every fiscal year, we come out with a new roadmap where we celebrate our accomplishments, but then we also talk about what's our priorities for this year. And included in that is things that aren't in an institutional strategic plan. So a network refresh, unfortunately, is never, while it may be interesting to me, it's never going to make an institutional strategic plan, but it's important. So we, we have that in our priorities effort and along with other activities that aren't going to make it. So, and then we start executing upon that. 
we keep track of projects that spin out of those priorities. Like for example, we just we just went live with our new electronic health record epic in October 1st. And that was something that we worked on for two and a half years. And we have a workday transition in place that's going live July of next year. And so that these are not easy things. It's not, there's no easy button that we can push and make that a reality. And but it is allowing us to hit a big reset button, not only on you know workflows that we put in place 20 years ago to rethink that in our clinical practice to you know how do we onboard new staff. And so it's just this fantastic time to be at St. Jude because of all the change, but it's also it's also a little anxiety prone just because there is a lot of change. But that's why we got into technology. And I have to continue to remind myself and, and the team is, look, this is why we do what we do. We are setting a standard and an infrastructure in place that will serve St. Jude well past the time that we potentially work here. So, Love that. So Keith, you touched on some of the, the key initiatives that you guys have been focused on. What other key initiatives are on your roadmap for 2023, maybe other than the, the Workday implementation? We've got large-scale construction projects where we're building new clinical office building. We're reimagining the future of what care is going to be, how care is going to be provided. And so in addition to new housing units that are coming up and where technology plays a role in that experience. And so that, you know, just let me spend a minute on St. Jude. So St. Jude, we will, we think that that child and their family needs care in Memphis. We will get them to Memphis. We'll put them on a plane. We'll pick them up at the airport. We'll put them up in our housing units for sometimes upwards of years, and then we'll care for them. And so that they become part of the St. Jude family. And so we have not only housing units, but we do things for them while they're on campus. We have a school program. All of that has some technical component to it from a care delivery perspective that where we have initiatives underway to kind of help improve that experience. Super unique and such a beautiful facility you guys have over there. I know, uh, I remember seeing some of the stuff you guys are doing with NVIDIA and in, in your like clinical research setting. What are some of the most innovative things that you're excited about that, that St. Jude is, is working on right now? This is where I'll quickly be, get too far in front of my skis because this is, so this is where the computer scientist in me gets really excited. And when I think about where we're going you know, in our understanding of disease, we can't do that without computational capacity. And St. Jude is no different. And so our our leadership has really made the determination that we need more data scientists focused alongside our investigators helping to solve this. And so that's where the partnership with NVIDIA comes into play, how we're leveraging their GPU, you know, architecture which is just truly fascinating where the technology industry is going that's going to be able to help us understand cellular structure and imaging even more so than we do today. So, and all of that has, is just really putting pressure on, we need more storage, not less. We need more computational capacity, not less. And, and so that's a leverage between our on-prem data center and leveraging cloud relationships with, that we have with Microsoft and others. 
Very cool. Keith, I want to ask you a more of a macro question now. So what do you think will be some of the biggest changes in in the healthcare provider space as time passes? If I abstract myself out of St. Jude and I start to look across healthcare, I can't help but think that the industry is still going to be moving towards this don't come to the hospital or don't come to your doctor unless you really need to. And doctors are empowered to have a relationship with somebody without having to bring them to to their office, right? So I just can't help but think that that's going to continue to evolve and advance to the point where doctors have even more information on us. And that information is curated down to knowledge that they need to take action upon. And we're able to enjoy a lifestyle with that relationship without having to take off and go to a doctor's office when we need to. So, but there's probably others in the industry that'll probably have better answers than me. So no, I mean, that's a great answer. So you have a, a couple more questions left. One would be, what are some of the best practices that you and your team follow? I mean, you mentioned that book that you gave to your team, any other best practices you might share with, with our listeners? It's not a best practice that we have, but I think the conversation that we're having right now is around how can we get better about introducing change? You know, technology with this kind of transition to subscription-based services and this, we're seeing a lot more change coming our way, but we as technologists are not always great about introducing and communicating that change to Mm -hmm. those. And the example I gave yesterday to a colleague was, I bet we've rolled out new functions in Office 365 that I'm not even taking advantage of. We just haven't. So we're having this internal dialogue around, okay, we know that there's probably others that are really doing a really good job on change management. We just have to get better. And that's kind of leads into the second thing that I'm really proud of the team is this, this constant evaluation of we need to get better here. We need to rethink this. We need to do this better. And this constant evolution within a technology team of, hey, I'm, I may have been good yesterday, but that doesn't mean I'm good today because there's a lot more knowledge that was produced that I don't know. And so this constant mindset of improvement is something I'm really proud of. A hundred percent. I mean, that's hard to come by. I would say that's a testament to your leadership really, because I, we, we don't see that across the industry. So kudos to you and your team. So Keith, in, in wrapping up, we like to ask our guests, if you could go back five or 10 years in time, what advice would you give your younger self? What I tell my younger self is don't take for granted the interactions that you have with people, whether that be loved ones or people that you work with, because you can learn from those encounters. And we sometimes, because we sometimes lose sight of the real value of that is, you know, just absorbing and being in the moment. There's so many things that applies to from work to personal to family to that just say, just be in the moment. I love that. That's great advice for me today. Just to be present. And uh... daughter is born be in that moment. Amen, brother. Keith, it was such a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much. 
No problem. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate what you do for the industry. Cheers. And, and to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Disruptive Innovations, a leading tech consulting firm that helps enterprise organizations with their IT strategy, process optimization, and workflow improvement. Contact them and find out more at disruptiveinnovations.net.